Good morning. My name is Gay Scheib, and it says here that I'm to smile, and I'm not sure that's for me or for you, so we'll just have to do it together. <laughs> We're going to have two readings from the scripture this morning. The first one is Philippians 4, verses 4 to 9, which is one of my favorites, and so I'm glad to be sharing that with you this morning. The second will be from Psalms 105, verses 1 through 6. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, which, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And now Psalms 105, verses 1 through 6. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, speak of all his wonders. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his wonders which he has done, his marvels and the judgments uttered by his mouth, O seed of Abraham, his servant. O sons of Jacob, his chosen ones, God bless the reading of the scripture. And now, may I introduce to you our return speaker, Pastor Doug Iverson from Spokane. <laughs> well, thank you for being patient and allowing me to come back. Uh, it's been great. I have uh, enjoyed meeting you and greeting you and... Uh, uh, praise God. Uh, those of you who are watching by hopefully video, uh, I just want to invite you to come back. There's seats, there's seats available here, so please join us. That would be awesome, awesome, awesome. I would like you to turn to one of the most exciting chapters of the book of Joshua. I say that with tongue-in-cheek, but it is exciting. And so turn to Joshua chapter 12, because that's where we're going to be this morning. And I want us to think about this theme as we look at this passage. I looked at this and I thought to myself, elders, now I know why you didn't want to preach on this passage. No, I'm just teasing. I asked God for his insight, and he gave me something that really encouraged me. And it challenged my daily uh, experience with remembering with what God does in our lives every day. The thought for the day, if we stop to think, the result is thankfulness. When you stop and ponder, when you stop and rehearse the great rehearsal of God's grace, the result is always thanksgiving, always thanksgiving. So I want you to, I want, if you get nothing this morning, and I trust you'll get a lot more, not from me, but from God's word, 
that you will recognize something that's incredibly important for God's people to do. And that is to remember and to rehearse the grace of God. To rehearse it again and again and again and again. And we'll see why in just a little bit. Why? Why rehearse? Well, I love this verse from Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. I love this. For he, for he who promised, what's, circle this word in your Bible, is, not could be, not will be, is faithful. Amen? Amen. Is faithful. That's a continual thought. An ongoing present tense going on and on and on. He is that every moment, every day. Rehearse it. Rehearse it. Rehearse it. Remember, and I think that's so, so very important. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the family of God. I thank you for the people of God. Lord, I want to thank you for the Word of God, the Scriptures, the living, alive, and active and powerful truth. I pray this morning that by your Holy Spirit, you would bring alive the Word of God to us, individually and as a family of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. I looked at this chapter, and I thought to myself, what's this chapter doing in the Bible? <laughs> um, when you ponder Joshua chapter 12, this, like I said, is a passage that you say, Lord, why would you include a passage like this in your scripture? Well, we're going to answer that question this morning in some different ways. But I want you to understand something. As, as mundane, if I can use that word, or as simplistic, or as maybe to be honest, at least first glance, non-challenging this passage is when you look at practicality of the Word of God, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. You know that passage. I, I trust that you have at some point memorized this passage. All Scripture is what? God-breathed. And it's profitable. And it lists some things that it's profitable. But dropping back a little bit, when Paul wrote this to Timothy. He said, all Scripture is inspired of God, is breathed of God. What was he referring to? He wasn't referring to the New Testament because it hadn't been completed yet. He was referring to the Old Testament Scriptures. Paul was telling Timothy, all of that Old Testament, all of the Scriptures that you have heard, read to you, and studied as a youth, those truths are inspired by God's breath Himself. And they're profitable. Now, obviously, praise God for the New Testament. Amen? Great stuff, the revelation of Jesus in the flesh. But it says it's profitable for what? For teaching, to help you to learn to think right. It's profitable for reproof, to help you to stop thinking wrongly. It's profitable for correction, to help you do the right things. It's profitable for training in righteousness. Wow. Why? Very simple. That the man of God may be complete, equipped, for some good work? No, every good work. When we look at Joshua chapter 12, Paul said to Timothy, Joshua chapter 12 is profitable. We're going to look at that profitability this morning. 
So what I would like you to do, as best you can, and I had to work at this, but I had to put myself in the place of the Israelites back in the day before they crossed over the Jordan, crossed over to the west side of Canaan. Put myself in their place. What resulted, as I began to ponder and to read and to look historically at this passage, I began to recognize something that was pretty exciting. I began to see the joy and the thankfulness and the blessings that God had brought specifically to the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, the awe. And particularly as they would go through Joshua chapter 12 and they would rehearse the hand of God. That's what this chapter is all about, and it's very important. How many of you know the old song, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One? Those of you who are old. Hey now, you know that song. (laughs) Good for you. That's an awesome song. Count your many blessings. What's the next phrase? Name them one by one. Well, I have to share this with you this morning. When I was 21 years old, my dear mother gave me this photo album. i got to show you one of my favorite pictures. I think it's still in here if I didn't eradicate it. Um, Anyhow, she gave this to me on my 21st birthday. And what was so exciting about this album is that it is a rehearsal of my life from when I was born until I was 21. Here's one of my favorite pictures. (laughs) That is so ridiculously silly. I looked at that picture and I said, why would you ever take a picture like that? Well, as I look through this album, and uh, I will let you peruse this if you would like to, but please do that at your own risk. I perused through this album. Here I was in Bible college. I was up early that morning and I was in Psalms. Psalm 119. And before I began to read that psalm for my time with the Lord, my album was sitting in my shelf above my desk, and I pulled it off the desk, and I just began to flip through it, page at a time. Wow, that's interesting. I hadn't pondered that. And I began to rehearse, as it were, my life, because there it was before me, 21 years. I laid it down. I opened up the Word of God in Psalm And I I believe it's verse 4, Psalm 139, 4 says this. And thou, O Lord, art, I love this. And thou, O Lord, art intimately acquainted with all of my ways, my days. As I began to ponder through that photo album, I began to rehearse way before I even knew Jesus, God working in my life. Stages, people, circumstances from when I was born until I came to Christ and beyond. I came to know the Lord at 16 years old and I began to see teachers, athletes, coaches, family members, etc. who God placed in my life years before I responded to the gospel. God was at work. Why is it so important to rehearse? so that we remember His grace and His bounty and His pleasure in our lives. Photos are important. Chapter 12 is a photo of the grace of God. 
for the nation of Israel. Very powerful. So, chapter 12 reminds us, and as we look at this chapter, we see the east side of the Jordan, we see the two kingdoms. Thank you, I appreciate that. You'll see the the Dead Sea there east of that. Uh, Moses had conquered uh, two nations in in that area and was designated to a couple of the tribes. Joshua went over and, and, uh, on the other side of the Jordan and conquered the land of Canaan. And chapter 12 lists these conquests. Pretty powerful stuff. 31 kings. 31 fell to the army of God. Now, when you read through this, Most, if not all, of those cities are meaningless to us. (laughs) Some of them, to find where they are even on the map today, would be very difficult. Some are well known. But you know what? As they read through chapter 12, listen, each and every single kingdom represented the triumph of God. And chapter 12 is a rehearsal is a rehearsal of the mighty hand of God. So I I would encourage you, you, again, if you get nothing out of this morning, that you walk out of here and say, God, this next week, I want to rehearse what you've done in my life. And you know, what we typically think of in rehearsing our lives is those major, mighty, wonderful, awesome things that God does. Well, guess what? Tomorrow morning when you wake up, there is the mercy of God. You open your eyes. Tomorrow, when you wake up and it's 125 and you're in an air-conditioned home, that's the mercy of God. It's a blessing. It's not just the mighty victories that we typically think of. It is counting the blessings of God. To have your wife, after you've done something stupid, looks at you that afternoon and says, I still love you. (laughs) That is the mercy of God. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. They're not meaningless. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Very important. We looked at Philippians. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And here's the promise. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding and comprehension will keep your heart and mind. The only way that's going to happen is if you thank God. If you rehearse the goodness of God in your life. Because if you don't rehearse it, you don't remember it. If you don't rehearse it, you don't recall it. If you don't recall it, there's no thanksgiving. It's just apathetic day-to-day walking through our lives. God doesn't want us to be an unthankful people. So that's what chapter 12 is for us and why it's there. Now, one of the things uh, that I think is so important, and let me ask you this question. This is kind of a stupid question. But are we to be a thankful people? Are we to be a thankful people? Yeah, we are. Why? Because he says so. Amen. Because he says so. Why would he say so? So that we... Go ahead. That's where the blessings come from. 
What are those blessings? Rehearsing the goodness and the greatness and the grace of God every single day. Every single day. And I think that's important. So, when we begin to list, when we look at chapter 12, I want you to understand this chapter is not just a mechanical list of victories. It's not just a partitioned uh, oration of just some things that happened west of, the, west of the Jordan. These are things that God for His people said, I want you to prayerfully, specifically, with devotional input, to think about what I'm going to share with you. So, you see the map. Hopefully, you've got one in your, in your, uh, your uh, outline this morning too. So, I want us to look at what has God done. What has God done in chapter 12? It's simply, the first thing that came to my mind as I read was the hymn that we sing a lot from out of Jeremiah, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There's no shadow of turning with thee. So what we have in verses 1 through 24 is just an accounting, step-by-step accounting of what God has done. Chapter 12 ends the section of Joshua, and the next one begins in chapter 13. So let's just quickly look at the text very quickly. Verses 1 through 6. The kings Moses defeated. Very simple. And these, uh, now these are the kings of the land whom the people of Israel defeated and took possession of their land beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. From the valley of Arnon to Mount Hermon with all the Arava eastward. Shihon, Sihon, king of the Amorites. And he goes on and lists these areas that Moses conquered. Just a simple listing. So what's the point? The point is, what was on the west side of the Jordan, God gave them. We're going to see now, in 7 through the end, what was east, or excuse me, west of the Jordan was now given to the nation of Israel. Just a simple, simple list. Well, I remember on a trip to Israel, going up to Mount Hermon and traveling up there in the Sea of Galilee, the Dead Sea, and looking across, literally across the Jordan, and recognizing that during this time, this passage of God's Word was given and was written. Why? That they might rehearse. What? The conquests of the land. All of it was to be part of what God promised. Now think about this. 31 kings, 31 defeats, 31 victories. Why? To fulfill the promise of God. God promised a land and He gave it. Amen? Now listen. I want you to think practically. What, what are the lands, what are the Canaanite lands in your life that God wants to, you to have victory in? What are they? I don't know what they are for you personally. But we need to think about this in a practical way. God has made a promise about us being people who live abundant lives. We'll look at that verse in a little bit. So why all the detail? Why all the specific, specificness that, that is, is so important? Look at verse 7. And these are the kings of the land whom Joshua, the people of Israel, defeated on the west side of the Jordan. Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon, to Mount Helak, 
that rises towards Seir. And Joshua gave the land to the tribes of Israel. Look at verse 9. Or, yeah, look at verse 9. The king of Jericho won, and he begins this list. The king of Ai, which is beside Bethel, won. The king of Jerusalem won. The king of Hebron won. The king of Jamthu won. And he goes on with one and one and one and one. You know what's really interesting? He didn't list the name of one king. Not one. He listed these kingdoms because they were the ones to be conquered. And that's so important. Why again? Simply, Joshua is saying, these are the fulfillment of my promises. Great is his faithfulness. I think Joshua probably wrote the song, Count Your Many Blessings. No, he didn't really write those. No, no. But he was thinking of that tune. I can just see him as he crossed over singing, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Amen? Yes, of course. Yeah, Doug, you're a goofball. Yes, I understand. Counting the blessings of God. And the thing that's really exciting here, it's not so much about the conquests of these kings, but it is the victory of the, the people of God replacing replacing these kingdoms. And I think that's important. When you look at history, and you look at kingdoms being conquered, one of the most interesting things I think is, that's not here is this idea. What's not seen here is this. These words. I captured, I conquered, I had victory. You don't find it listed here. And in every other historical and archaeological conquest, it's always, I king so-and-so, I conqueror so-and-so, and he's named, have conquered these people. I, I, I. And it's not listed here. Why? Because it wasn't Israel that conquered. They were the instrument that God used to fulfill His promise. Now listen. Where do you get your victory from? Your strength? Your power? Your might? I mean, you know I'm being facetious. No, it's not. It comes from the very grace of God in us. His victory, His power, who He is in us. Why did they have victory? Only because the Lord gave the land of Canaan into their hands. That's the only reason. And that's this list that goes on and on 31 times. 31 times. So what's the point? Here's, that's all introduction. Now we're going to get into the message. What's the point? My question to you is, point number two, are you counting? Are you counting? Are you experiencing His great faithfulness? Well, of course you are. Every day you do. But are you counting it? Are you conscious of it? Are you aware of it? Are you remembering and rehearsing it? This is one of those chapters when I first opened Joshua chapter 12. This is what I did. Really? What's here? I won. Jerusalem won. Bethlehem won, etc. Won. Okay, this is such a deep devotional chapter. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to handle it all. 
there's some important questions I want you to think about with me. Important questions. Here it is. What's this chapter doing in the Bible, really? What's it doing here? Number two, what's the practical significance of this passage? There doesn't seem to be any practicality here. Just a list. What does this have to do with you and me in my daily walk in the Christian life? What does this chapter, how does it even significantly contribute to that? Those are questions I asked. Dan, Carter, great job last week. I really appreciated your message. Thank you. He introduced something that's so very powerful and important to us. Why this list? Well, he gave you some historical background that really makes it important for you to understand what takes place in chapter 12. What was the nation, the land of Canaan like? Well, to be very honest with you, he goes on to say that it was one of the most degenerate, corrupt, evil, horribly immoral culture probably in all of that, that whole area, but probably the world. It was horrible, degenerate, child sacrifice, sexual immorality. And he laid out for us a perfect picture of what that land was like. And I think he explained pretty clearly, I believe, from the biblical context, that God just didn't get rid of some people for the sake of getting rid of them to place his people there. He used his people to do what? To bring punishment and to bring judgment on that evil, corrupt culture. You say, well, that's not fair. Yes, it is fair. It's absolutely fair. Well, the Word of God tells me what? Romans 6. For the wages of... Really? Is what? Really? Yes. Yes. You and I, outside of Jesus, don't deserve anything from God. Nothing. That's why God is such a gracious God. That's why it's so important for you to remember, to rehearse the wonders and the glories of what God has done in our lives. It's so powerful. Cruel society, deeply immoral, idolatrous. Wrong was right. Right was wrong. And guess what God did? He used His people, those whom He had called out from Ur, to be a people what? To demonstrate His glory, His might, His power, and listen carefully, His justice and His righteousness. God isn't just a lovey-dovey, warm, fuzzy, I care about you God. He's a God who is a righteous God, a just God, a holy God, and He uses His people to demonstrate that. Do we love people? Absolutely we do. Do we care about people? Absolutely we do. Do you think or do you have any idea how many centuries God spoke to the people in the land of Canaan about His goodness and love? Centuries! And they turned their back, their faces, away from God. Judgment came. Judgment came. And people say, how could God do that? Well, pretty simply... When you disobey God, there's a penalty to pay. There's a penalty to pay. 
and God brought the penalty. I love this phrase. I don't know where it came from or who said it, but I found it. It says, the world is playing hide and seek with Jesus. Think about that for a second. The world is playing hide and seek with Jesus. And someday Jesus is going to say, ready or not, here I come. In Canaan, God said, ready or not, here I come. And here come my people. And they will take this land that I have promised them centuries before. Wow. So what is our calling today? Listen, very carefully, listen to us. Yes, we're to love people. We're to care about people. We're to minister to people. We're to reach out to people. But our calling isn't to, to make this um, a happier place for people to live. Our calling isn't to make people comfortable. Now, please don't misunderstand me. We need to love and care and minister to people. But our calling isn't to make them feel comfortable. Our calling is to demonstrate God's justice and righteousness alongside and with the power of His love. Because when they understand how rotten and corrupt they are, guess what God's love does? It gives them hope because they understand the difference. And I think that's so powerfully important. Your job, my job, is the good news. Amen? The gospel. The good news. If people don't see their corruptness, their evilness, if they don't comprehend what their culture was like outside of God, they are a doomed people. And guess what? Someday, even here in our country, Jesus is going to say, ready or not, here I come. Ready or not, here I come. Let's be people who speak that truth so powerfully. Look again quickly at 9 through 24. Let's look at uh, starting at verse 12. And the king of Eglon won, the king of Gezer won, the king of Hormon won, the king of Ered won, the king of Libdan won, the king of Adullam won, the king of Makeda won, the king of Bethel won, the king of Tapa won, the king of Hepher won, the king of Aphek won. And he goes on and on and on. And I'm going, what do you do with this history? What do you do with this historical record? I think very simply it's this. What are your ones? Quote, unquote. What are your ones? What are those kingdoms in your life? What are those ones? Not just negative ones, but positive ones. For example... What about the person that God has brought into your life last week? What about that encounter with him or her? What about the circumstance that you experienced last week at the store or the school or your neighbor? What about the way you serve? What about your steps of obedience? What about steps of repentance? What about the sacrifice that you shared in loving people and caring about people? What about those words you spoke as a testimony of God's love and grace? Guess what? I think those are the ones in our lives historically. And one, victory over sin. And one, 
the presentation of the gospel. And one, speaking the truth into the life of people. Those are the ones in your everyday lives. So what's missing? I had to recognize that I hadn't very often sat down and written a list of the blessings of God in my life. Consciously. And literally write them down. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Amen? Count your blessings. See what God has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. You know what was happening in chapter 12 of of Joshua? They didn't have copies of the Bible. The priests had the scrolls. And guess what they did? Year after year, day after day, decade after decade, for hundreds of years, they read this passage and many others. And guess what happened when the Israelites heard chapter 12 of Joshua? They went, oh brother, there's that boring chapter again. Has no meaning to me at all. No. When they began to see the ones, guess what they were doing? They were walking like this map from the east side of the Jordan, across Jordan, and they were listing every single one of those kingdoms. And they knew where they were. They knew what happened. And guess what? They were in the land. They rehearsed. That's what this is. Is a rehearsal. So this chapter is really important. I finally realized how important this boring chapter is to my devotional life. Because it's a list of the rehearsing of the mighty grace of God, the justice of God, the holiness of God, the love of God, the truth of God. Wow. See what God has done. Psalm 34, 8 says this, Oh, taste and see. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you tasted God? It says, oh, taste and see. You mean I can taste God? Yeah, I think you can. Maybe not in the sense of my tongue, but my emotions and my spirit can taste the very love and righteousness of God. Taste and what? See. Awareness. Observance. See what the Lord, see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Amen. Amen. Psalm again, uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Don't be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Here it is. With thanksgiving. What does that mean? Just saying, oh, thank you, Lord. That's not what it means. With thanksgiving is specifically with detail, not just verbalizing your thankfulness to God. It is articulating the goodness of God, the details in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Good and not so good. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known. And what's the promise and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, 
is going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I love this. Finally, brothers, this is powerful. You want to be a godly person? You want to be a person who truly is seen as a thankful person, a person who rejoices in the grace of God. It says this, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, rehearse. Think about these things. Rehearse. What? What you've learned and received and heard in me. Then he says, then practice these things. I'm just going to be hard on you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But I want you to think, when was the last time in the last month you sat down with God and wrote a list of the deeds of His grace in your life? I hope that rebukes you a little bit, but I hope it excites you. I hope it challenges you. Why? Because when you stop to think, the response is going to be great as His faithfulness. Thankfulness. Practice these things. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. For this reason I remind you, fan into the flame the gift of God, as Paul writes to Timothy, which is in you through the laying of hands, for God gave us, and listen to this, not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control and discipline. Discipline, okay? Why? Why would you want to be disciplined? Because God is challenging us in everything, give thanks. He wants us to be disciplined. Dad, are you rehearsing the grace of God to your family? Are you rehearsing the goodness of God? Are you rehearsing the victories? Mom, are you doing the same thing? Husband to your wife, wife to your husband, to your neighbors, your friends. Are you rehearsing the mighty hand of God every day? Just reminding yourselves of what he's done in our lives. Wow. In everything. I find for me personally that when I spend time thanking God, it's the most powerful experience, and I use that word, experience, in understanding how much God loves me. I look at that book, and I see 21 years of the grace of God. And most of it I had no awareness of. But it was there. And thou, O Lord, art intimately acquainted with all my days. Are you delighting in, in his grace? His victories? Do you want to revel in the truth of God? Every day. <laughs> oh boy. I'm talking to me, people. Every day. God wants me to engage in and participate in, listen, the great rehearsal. He wants you to list the 31 kingdoms that he has conquered in your life every day, every day. Thought for the day, we stop, we must stop to think, and the result 
is thankfulness. Amen? I'm challenging you, family of God. Make a list. Do it several times a week. Dad, sit down with your family and say, here's a list of things I'm so grateful for because of God's grace. Talk about discipling your family. Talk about discipling your neighbors to say, and, you know, it was just interesting. My neighbor, Mike, just two days ago, we came, we talked, and I said, you know, I just experienced such a wonderful joy with my granddaughter the other day. God was so good. And he looked up at me after I said that. And I, all of a sudden I realized he never thought about God's goodness in his daily life. Praise his name. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Amen? I pray that you will count your blessings, and in the year to come, these empty seats will be filled. Not because we want to fill empty seats but because you've been counting your blessings in your community. And people are going to say, I need that. I want that. I want to experience that. Amen? Amen. Be bold. Be brave. Be disciplined. Count your blessings. Father God, thank you. I ask that you would just touch us with the blessings of God. That you would help us to recount Daily, your hand in our lives. Lord, the simple things of, Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. Complex and powerful, but that simple, if we confess, you're faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse. The breath we breathe, the families we have, the conversations that we can, the victory over sin when we come to you. Lord, thank you. I pray that this family here at Grace Point would be faithful at counting their blessings, rehearsing the mighty grace of God. And Lord, that their list would be more than 31. That as they walk through the map of their lives, there would be city and kingdom and king, one after another after another, who are conquered by your grace. We thank you now, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand to receive the benediction from the Lord, I've chosen Psalm 100, uh, not our normal average uh, benediction, but it's a wonderful passage of Scripture. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. God is good. God is wonderful.